Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of The Growth Show. Uh, before we kick off today, I just wanted to say thanks for all the support and we thought it'd be a good idea to run a few sort of private groups or Zoom calls with the community. Um, so if you're interested in that, write out to us. Um, I'll put some details at the bottom of this video, how you can contact us. And what we'll be keen to do is get really into the, the nitty gritty of uh, questions you have and sort of uh, main one topics at a time we can really sort of attack in a sort of community environment we for good and have some 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 live q and a's so if you're interested in that um drop us a line um it'd be great to get to know you guys a bit better um but today uh, by popular demand uh we are going into uh failure and how to recover uh from failure which is uh which is something some of us are sadly experiencing at the moment and some aren't. So, uh, David, um, what's your advice for picking yourself up from, from, uh, from failure? Um, well, it depends what kind of failure we're talking about. If, if it's a, a sort of small project that goes wrong, uh, the best thing to do is review it, look at it, pull the bones apart on it and learn lessons from it. It's, no, it's never a failure if you learn something from something, really. There's no such thing as failure, it's just feedback. Um, and you're just going to learn a whole load of things that are going to um, help you and your business get a lot stronger. Now, if we're talking about a sort of far bigger failure, like um, your company's struggling, you're going under bankruptcy, um, you know, you, you know, you've got to lay off a whole load of staff or whatever. Um, that is a far, far bigger thing in a sense of the um, emotionally, the, the emotional toll it'll, it'll take on you and everything else. A few years ago, um, I was working with a really good friend of mine uh, to say it ended disappointingly would be an understatement and left me with about five pounds in the bank and two weeks to try and work out how to get pay, pay my rent and stuff. And I'm still owed tens of thousands of pounds from that. And so just to make this kind of really personal, that the shame of it was the hardest thing of, you know, being involved in something that was successful on the, on the surface of it. It was making money, bringing money in. Um, and yet internally I knew it wasn't right. I was not getting paid. I was not getting what I should have done. Um, and that led to you know, huge emotional um, challenges. And so the biggest thing I say to someone in that is uh, in, in the British public, we don't like talking about failure and we don't like talking about feelings. Please talk to somebody, um, reach out to somebody um, and just ask for help. There'll be a whole load of people out there who will happily help. I didn't ask for any help for, for months. I spent a few months in the flat on my own, which is not good for mental health and not good for anything. Um, so the first bit of advice I'd say is just ask for help. Just get out there. There'll be loads of people who, you know, reach out, pick you up, um, do things like that. Uh, I'd also just say, you know, get past the shame of it. Like you're, you're not going to be the first business that's going to go under. Was it 80, 40, 87% of businesses fail in the first two years? It's horrible. It is really bad. Um, but you're not alone in it. Um, and the last thing I'd say is keep yourself busy. Um, you know, if we're going down the sort of extreme end of failure, um, what we perceive to be failure, um, and the vast majority of successful entrepreneurs that I know have had at least one big failure on the resume. It's, actually, it's almost a prerequisite of then having success. So hopefully that softens it in the, in the midst of it a little bit. Um, please reach out to one of us. I'm sure we'd happily chat to you. Um, but I think in terms of just that initial bit, um, would just be just go out and just speak to people because you won't be alone. Yeah. And your, 
you'll be amazed how many people have gone through similar experiences. And once you've been through it once and come out the other side, it is so much more comforting to know, you know, it, it, it's possible. But the, the weight of when you're that first initial impact or that surprise impact of a, of a, of a big failure, um, the temptation is just to roll up into a little ball and hide yourself in the world. And it's, it's, not, it's not healthy on, on any scale. And Tom, what, what would you add to that? Um, yeah, I, I think I, I would challenge the word failure. I think there's a, a level of challenge. And actually, even if you close your business, I don't see that necessarily as being a failure. Sometimes that can be a good outcome in terms of saving money and enabling a clean break onto something else. So I think um, just picking up on the words, um, uh, pick yourself up after failure is actually a negative generalisation. And actually just to, you know, there's actually no answer to that question, oddly enough. We need to be a bit more specific, as David said. But I think it's also a negative um, generalisation, which means it's, it's flawed fundamentally. Uh, and that, that creates stasis. So just to, in terms of the, the detail of the question, I think the other thing which David mentioned is, um, is, sh- is should failure be in, in our vocabulary? Um, does it exist? Um, I think the other thing is, um, it depends what type of failure. When I was thinking about failure, I was, you know, in terms of you've got the collapse of businesses where pride's a real issue and pride stops you from actually seeing the issue and admitting to the problem, which is a big problem. But actually there are other sort of inter- intermediate types of failure when someone might tell you something you don't want to hear. Um, and our, our typical reaction to that is to reject it or label it or say, you know, Nick is this or, or David is that. Um, rather than actually address, actually take the time to actually... Um, understand specifically what that person's referring to um, and I think that's particularly important if you're feeling a bit proud or um, if you're in a sort of uh, communications breaking down a bit I think the other thing is if someone's delivering bad news to you um, ask yourself the question have they got your best interests at heart which uh, rather sort of brings me to the Brexit negotiations but anyway that's a bit of a, bit of a uh, distraction so I think the, the other side of this is around um, you know that the the uh, the metaphor of um, dropping your jaw, dro- dropping your guard with Tyson. The only time you notice you've dropped your guard is when Tyson smacks you on the chin, which um, certainly um, I'd imagine could do damage, right? And I think that the large part of failure is actually pre- preparing yourself for it, uh, if, if 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 there is such a thing, and making sure you're strong. And I think um, particularly if people are not as busy as they used to be, particularly for men who I think it's um, very important, work is really important to our well-being. It's very important not to become victims and blame things and take responsibility for the situation. But also for young young men, certainly for myself, um, I used to definitely think I was indestructible. In fact, I still think I'm a young man and indestructible now. But I've learned, um, you know, you need to have more energy than the challenge you're facing. <laughs> So, you know, if something hits you, you've got to make sure you've got more energy than, um, and actually you need to look after your physical fitness. You know, practically go to bed early, which that all sounds very dull. I don't drink anymore. I learned drinking wasn't good for me. Um, I, you know, eating healthy food and actually having a laugh um, and drinking water, oddly enough, is, is rocket fuel for me. So I think there's, you've got to prepare yourself. I think the other thing is physically as well. I mean, I train quite hard and, I think I've learned a lot by pushing myself to the limit of what I can do. I learned a lot about quite early on in my career. And I think if you've done that, it really, um, I don't suggest people do that on a mental mental level, but certainly physically. I think if you're physically stronger, you become mentally stronger. 
Um, and I think the other thing I'd just add to this um, um, is to say that actually if you're taking a hit, you need to know what your purpose is. So it's a bit like a weeble, you know. Uh, I think um, there's, a, there's a danger at the moment that people are beginning to lose themselves with the amount of interaction and sort of manipulation that goes on with social media and stuff. And it's increasingly important to do things in your own way um, and avoid social media. So I think that's why initially contributes to the discussion. Okay. Yeah. I've definitely seen the biggest danger around this is the compounding effect of, of pride and and doing nothing. Um, And that's from, you know, high levels to, you know, someone starting out a job who might've made a mistake and sort of, um, being nervous or shy to what they're doing, the or or, or dwelling on it, um, and actually just you know delaying their ability to get going again and to get back on the bike uh, is something I see I see a lot of you know that that knock on impact, and the worst thing you can do is just just dwell on it. You've got you've sadly got to if you're worried about you're going to run out of money because something's failing. Probably the best thing to do is have a little think, have a little reflection time, run some scenarios, but then get back on, get back going and get back out there before, before it becomes a habit and before you start denting confidence even more. Is, is, is David, is, is running scenarios a good thing? Is, is um, sort of planning, with the idea of almost planning for failure to, to know how you would respond to it, can, can you run scenarios around it? Can you sort of train your brain around it? Oh, 100%. And there's two really good exercises uh, that I do. The first one is, if you're worried about, if you have a fear about the worst case scenario, set a timer on your phone for two minutes and just sit with the worst case scenario. Just focus on that worst case scenario. Because what happens is it's usually our fear, our fear that affects our behaviour isn't rational. So if you fixate, fixate on that, that kind of worst case scenario... What happens is the brain starts to recalibrate and go, okay, well, okay, let's say worst case scenario is the business goes under. I'll get a job. In fact, I've got loads of friends who will keep offering me jobs. So, you know, I'll be okay. Or I can, you know, worst, worst case, I can move back in with my parents or I can move in with a friend and get myself back. And the brain starts to recalibrate itself, but it's that fear of the unknown um, uh, that doesn't really, you know, that just holds us in the place. So if you spend some time actually sitting with it, that fear will start shrinking because it's not usually based on anything real. Um, the second thing to do, if you're wanting to avoid a failure that could come up uh, ahead of you, is I get clients to run pre-mortems. So you sit in a room, you're right, everybody, we're going to fast forward six months. This project has been a complete and utter train wreck. Everything that could have gone wrong has gone wrong. Um, it hasn't delivered. It's gone over budget. It's <laughs> whatever, right? And then go, why, why did that happen? And usually everyone just starts out the reasons. Oh, we didn't have clear communication at the start. Oh, there were delays because there's inefficient workloads. Oh, it was, um, it was unrealistic expectations to begin with. Oh, we should have just built this bit first. That would have... And suddenly you get all the answers coming out before. The subconscious brain is a phenomenally powerful thing. It really... And suddenly you get a whole load of learning that completely changes the trajectory and also allows people to engage in that process. So again, as a, as a, as a leader... It's a really good engaging process and a great way to listen to people straight from the off. Yeah, I love that. I love that. It's really, it's, I think approaching every project on let's pick out the flaws, especially as humans, we're very good at picking holes in things, right, I find. We're, yeah. a, lot, we're, a, lot, we're a lot better in uh, 
uh, well, most of you I know, are much better at finding the negatives and things than the positive things. So it sounds like a great place to start to actually just roadmap the issues that could be coming down. Yeah, and, and what always happens at the end of a project is you always get a few people over a couple of beers that go, yeah, I kind of knew that it was going to end up with this because this, it's like, well, why didn't you say so? And that's a great way of getting out early. We, we intrinsically know a lot of where the, the obvious problems are going to come from before we do something. But it's, you know, just getting everyone on the right footing right from the office is incredibly powerful. Yes, yeah. Tom, have you implemented things like that when you've been turning around businesses before? Yeah, I, I use different words, David, but I think um, um, the way, uh, put it another way, just to add to what David said, I think um, there's some warning signs we need to be aware of. Uh, one is pride. The sign of pride is intellectualizing things and um, <clears throat> which turns into a sort of intellectual, I'm right, you're wrong type discussion. And you, you can pick that up. Um, the the second thing, which and, and that's that, that's a sign you can't cope, actually, oddly enough. Uh, so that creates stasis in its own right. So some of the statements that David was making in terms of rationalizing situations and justifying situations, that's all a sign of not being able to cope. The second thing is language. So um, generalizations normalize things. So saying things like, um, you know, everybody's got a pension pension scheme deficit, therefore it's okay. That creates stasis. So, and these are all signs, Nick, of actually not being able to cope, right? And so this is when things are getting too much. And this is what people do when they start processing information. Um, and I think you know, what's, what's great, I mean, what I focus is on is re putting relationships back together to open up the dialogue because it's only by putting relationships back together you can actually get people speaking freely. Um, and I think um, actually when you do face the, the real situation, which is normally demonstrated with cash flow, cash flow is a zero bullshit environment. How much money you've got in the bank, Nick, is, is absolutely how much money you have in the bank. And, there's yeah. no, and, and the cash is, is very much the lifeblood of a business. So I think when you get cash flow, which is, all, which is the equivalent of in a financial um, uh, setting of what David just described is f facing your worst fear actually you know what to address um, and then you can get a team around that to cascade that through the organization I think um, you know simple simple practical things as well actively taking interest in people so practically I if someone stops me I don't care who they are how busy busy I am I will always stop and make time for people um, I'll take an interest in trying to understand where they're coming from um, and take an interest in them as well. So if they say something to me that I frankly completely disagree with or, um, you know, actually don't understand, I'll make every effort to understand that. And that then I've got an ally, right, who will never, ever, you know, let me down. And they will come and tell me everything. And, I, you know, in just doing that, you just, by setting that example. I think the other thing I think is there are times when, you know, businesses are flawed and it's worth accepting that. And I think... Um, the thing that struck me when I was thinking about this call was um, we should, it, it's all about take health. I mean, Churchill said that, um, you know, if you're going through hell, don't stop, right? Um, and I think there's a rule, we, we, as human beings, we can't stop. But at the same time, if we find, well, actually, I'll add something to that, which is we need to take new action. So by doing more of the same, it's not, it's not going to deliver a different outcome. So, but if we find we're doing, we're taking new action and it's still not working, right? Then you've got to question whether or not your business is viable. Um, and I think that that is certainly a, um, an issue at the moment. Um, and I think as well, we, it's, we really have got to accept the fact that we don't, you know, that a lot of education is about, 
self-reliance and actually we are highly reliant on relationships and our well-being now if you take a knock nick you know <laughs> who do you go and speak to who do you pick up the phone who's your mate you know i'd go out for a drink on a wednesday night with a friend of mine and we just go out to the pub and you know, who do you go and speak to where do you you know where, where are your relationships and you now where where's that network of people that you know are really interested in nick and really take an interest in you nick and i think we can adopt that same thing so i think there's a few simple steps um I think um, I tried to capture this in a sort of metaphor of a jazz band, which works intimately, listens to customers intimately, and it's about getting this dialogue right. I think it's also worth just watching out. If you do find you're on a downhill path, which I certainly have been, and I find myself, I find myself on a downhill path, and I pick myself up as I recognise this. You know, it's when um, it's when you um, you know you. you, you you start blaming things or um, you, you know, you're not taking full responsibility for things. Um, and what, what that leads to is not caring and not caring is a very dangerous situation to be in. Um, and it, that unravels. And I think there's a not caring and keeping quiet is the most deadly thing. So you flip that on your head and take a really interest, real interest in other people and care about them. And if you do nothing else, then that actually is, um, you know, goes about 99% of where we need to get to. I think, um, but there are, I, I would add, though, there are situations where it's important to stop um, stop businesses, shut businesses down. I don't see that as a failure. Um, I don't really understand the word failure. <laughs> uh, perhaps I ought to. But I, 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 you know, it's, a, it's a negative generalisation. Um, I think it's um, a bit of a misnomer. Yeah. Yeah. And interesting point came up there. I think, I think in our lives, we all know someone who loves to blame others, right? who comes across as uh, incapable of maybe taking sort of responsibility. Um, and they might be in your team, they might be other founders, you know, so, so you know, usually they're quite strong. Um, they're usually very good at what they do, actually, these people with the amount of self-belief they have. But where do we start in sort of tackling them, helping them sort of step into a, a form of reality? Um, I was talking to one this morning, or... A director of a business this morning and um they had a challenge of um um wasn't this individual i speaking to but their boss and their behavior when they were coming under pressure of um micromanagement and getting caught in a trap of actually they're trying to raise funding for their business which stopped them doing other things like making money and getting the team working properly and this was a downward spiral mm. um so the answer to that was actually to address this and this is a very bold very wealthy investor um very confident very proud individual and um i think you need to change the dialogue for this nick and to this is why i, I run the winning thinking process to completely change the dialogue to get people down to human level and then you know start build rebuilding relationships um taking new action understanding resetting relationships to take this forward because you simply unless you in my my experience if you face with a critical situation like that you simply won't so you might try you no know, so one of the, the one of the warning signs today was this guy who i know really well is a really good friend of mine very senior uh vice president of a big u.s firm historically so a really heavy hitter he was saying he presented the facts to this individual right this is typical and, and got nowhere because you're not fixing the right problem <laughs> Yeah, and that's that's a catch twenty two situation. So unless you nip that in the bud, and that's potential, that is actually good business, which is on the verge of failing. But we can catch that, 
by doing what I've just described to try and get the relationships back, make people aware. So actually, well, I think what's really exciting about this is not about telling people what to do, it's actually making great people aware of the implications of what they're doing. And then they can go, ah, I see, then take different action. And that's a very exciting place to be. Um, yeah. And it's life-changing as well. Totally life-changing. Um, yeah. and, and David, what would you add to that? Um, I think sometimes it's waiting for people to, um, uh, to sort of come and be ready to listen. Um, I don't really think people are, in terms of problems, they're open, closed or stuck. And sometimes you see people and you go, you're heading down a path that's going to not get you where you want to get to. And it's going to, you can see the impending car crash um, mm. about to happen. And if they're not willing to listen, whatever you say is not going to help. And actually it'll probably more entrench them in their view that they're right anyway until it happens. And then when it happens, they're not going to talk to you about it anyway because they're going to think you're an idiot and you, you saying it probably made it happen. And they'll try and blame you for it. Um, so I think if someone's really closed, you've just got to make sure that they know you're there when they're not closed. So when that, they either realize they're stuck and they need some help or they're just wide open for a, um, for a solution. Um, and there's things that you can do to sort of nudge people on and perhaps you know, leave a little bread trail and things like that. But I, you know, I, I generally think saving people from a, you know, or, or jumping in and making sure that someone doesn't go through a painful experience doesn't actually help people um, in that, generally people need to learn and it'd be great if we all learned from everyone else's failures but then if we did that very few businesses would fail because we'd learn from other people's failures and we never would beat them right but mm. the stats don't change so people presumably just copy everyone else's failures um and so i think part of it is you've always got to let someone go on that journey for them to come back and, and come back in the right way um if this is in your business and it's a critical thing um and you can see it with an employee or a team member or something like that um the best thing to do is try and do like a controlled explosion. <laughs> so make sure it doesn't go too far or the product doesn't go way beyond spec or it's, it's that point where we deliver to a client before it unravels. Um, but you can kind of preempt that, put some things in place that then mean you catch it first, but someone still gets that same experience, but it's not, it's not critical to a business. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, I mean, that's a great point. I, I definitely think the more, the more forward planning you can do, the more picking holes in things early when it comes to people is good. I, I, I actually think the managing of teams in this scenario is potentially easier than the person who might be listening to this, unaware that maybe they are the, they are the pride, they are the issue in here. And yes, you are right. You sort of do need to take a knock on that journey. And you've just got to hope sometimes that knock is just small enough to get you to get you back up and going rather than something that does set you back in a in a big way um any uh, we're trying to we're trying to keep these sort of to 20 minutes which is, which is incredibly frustrating i have to say like it's much it's much more fun just to go on for hours and hours and hours um but we'll try and keep it any any sort of closing statements on on feedback or or, or um or perceived failure um david um, one of the best bits of advice that I was given on this was find people who've been in deep water. Don't go to advice, don't go to help from people who have no idea or no perspective on it. They will not be helpful at all. In fact, they'll probably, you know, be like tying lead weights around your ankles. Um, find people who've been in similar positions. 
not least because they can empathise and they'll help and, and have that real human connection to find people who've been in deep water and come out of it. Um, and the second thing would be, it's never fatal. Um, there is there's always another day. There's always a new opportunity. The vast majority of people, you know, you look at, you know, you look at Abraham Lincoln and how many elections he lost, all those kind of things, like overcoming adversity. The, the, the people who have long-term longevity of success usually have a long list of failures as well. And that builds emotional resilience and grit and um, really helps get long-term success. So you have short-term success without a failure, you'll have fast, a fast failure and a fast um, bump as well. Yeah. Actually, actually reminds me of a, an Irish fellow we knew who was, um, we'd been training for a big sporting event, got through to the final. This has been two years of our lives, just day in, day out, 5 a.m. till God knows what time. And, and we lost and obviously the team is devastated. Um, haven't said a word to each other, just sat on the floor, broken in bits. And this little Irish man walks over and just goes, well, at least nobody died. <laughs> and uh, we burst out laughing. Um, you know, got up, looked at each other, went, yes. And, I, and I'll never forget that. You know, whatever I'm going through, it's just having that perspective of, you know, there's a lot worse going on out in the world. It's relatively minor most of the time. Um, let's just get up, you know, new day, go again. Um, and that's, that stayed with me forever. Uh, but Tom, any other sort of closing point from you there? Yeah, I think just say one thing. If you, if leaders find themselves in an entrenched position where they're just arguing and having intellectual toing and throwing, I'm right, you're wrong, then stop, stop, right? Um, really take an active interest in what that person is saying to you um, and really take a, a real interest in where they're coming from, um, from a blank sheet of paper. Just try and switch off all the noise in your head. Just really understand where they're coming from and take a real active interest in them as individuals. And um, if you do nothing else, I think that would make a vast difference to uh, reset relationships and, and then practice that. Actually, practicing that is very important because we do get into a habit of this I'm right, you're wrong thing as leaders. So I think that's what I'd say. Um, understand about the family as well just talk to laugh laughter is very important because it it levels out people's um plat note uh, assumptions it brings people on the same level immediately so that's a very powerful tool so um probably listen to not the nine o'clock news is quite good i find that quite good um, <laughs> yeah maybe maybe i mean I, we always say these things i never know how easy or hard they are but maybe we could do some active listening Right, and just uh, run some scenarios of how to do it or how to become conscious of where you're getting sucked into arguments or battles, which are just, especially in a boardroom scenario where you're just wasting the people's time around you, you know, and no one, no one looks good in that scenario. But maybe yeah, there's something we can silence. do around that. I did silence, Nick, as well. There's one thing being vocalized, but silence is actually worse because that's when it, you get tyranny of tolerance. So be aware of that as well. Yeah. Our viewers would probably enjoy a bit of silence. <laughs> so, <laughs> because, uh, just do half an hour of that, probably be our highest rated episode. Um, no, but I think, you know, uh, listening or the power of silence, I think that'd be great. I think that'd be great. Mike Friday um, did a, uh, an episode where he, he really, really emphasised this. So I'll, I'll put a link to that as well, because that's um, Mike's got some great views on that as well. Um, but to um, everyone at home, thank you again. Um, we'll put some links up for a few of the things we mentioned today. Um, keep those comments coming in. Uh, we really want to get a live Zoom community going. 
Uh, maybe we try some live Q and A's. Sort of dare to do these live on LinkedIn, YouTube, whatever it might be. Um, but thanks again uh, for all your help and support, and we will see you all very soon. All the best. Goodbye. <laughs>